listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So we've been doing these podcasts for a couple of months now, and listeners continue to grow. They're probably wondering who these yahoos are, these talking heads. So we're going to get to know Jason Malecki today. All right, let's do it. What do we want to know? First question, and this comes from my kids. Would you rather be an ant or a bee? An ant or a bee? Well, so that's a tough one, right? Because I don't think I'd want to be a bee in 2018 with the declining bee population, right? So bees are sort of like, you know, seem to be dying a slow death of a thousand cuts. So that seems like you're on the uh, teetering on the edge of extinction. So I don't like that. But on the other hand, if you're an ant, then you're stuck in a colony, right? So you're just, you know, you're like kind of a mindless drone, you know, surrounded by billions and billions of ants. I imagine a giant anthill in you know, one of those African anthills that are like seven feet high or something like that. As opposed to a crowded beehive. As opposed to a crowded beehive. So I guess, I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go with bee, but I want to be the bee from the bee movie because he's pretty funny. <laughs> and he's independent. All right. All right. So our very first listener, one of my kids is now happy and they know you a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) If he hasn't watched it, tell him to watch the B movie because it's pretty funny. Yeah, they like the B movie. All right, Jason, let's get serious because our listeners want serious, hard hitting content. So tell us who Jason is and let's jump into that silly name you have for your firm. Rattleback. How did you come to be? <laughs> it's actually a really great name. So tell us how you came to be at Rattleback. All right. So what's a Rattleback and where did a Rattleback come from? So years ago, this is an interesting story. There's a couple layers of this story. I'll tell them both. But there, there was, I got hired by a client about eight or 10 years ago to launch a new product that they wanted to launch. And they hired this, this you know, one of these really kind of high-end naming consultants in San Francisco. And they brought me out as part of this team to do naming on this product they were developing. And there was some pretty well-known namers in this room. And they made this kind of, you know, relatively brash comment that you cannot create a, a name out of a real word, you know, in 2008 or whatever year this was. And of course, you know, being the competitive person that I am, I took that as a personal challenge, right? I, I didn't take that as a comment. I took that as a personal challenge. So of course you can create a, a name out of a real word. It's just really hard. Anyway, when we were choosing to develop a name for our agency, you know, one of the things that I set up as the goal was to identify a real word name. I feel like agencies sort of make up these pocket spaceship and big stuff or, or whatever they come up with. They come up with all these kind of like kitschy names and I wanted something that was tangible and real. And so my joke was that we scoured every single corner of the English language for the course of a year in which we finally stumbled upon this thing that's called a rattleback. And a rattleback is a real thing. It's a, it's a top. It's been around for centuries. It's sort of a long thing, off-center object that only spins in one direction. So when you spin it, if you spin it the right way, it spins effortlessly and quickly. If you spin it the wrong way, it literally rattles and stops and changes direction. And we just love that as an analogy for what we hope we can bring to our clients is is to sort of get them on the path to success that they want. And if they're off that path, naturally direct them to the right path. That was the question, wasn't it? What's a rattleback or no? Yeah. And how did you get to it? How did we get to the name or how did we get to the agency? Well, we got to the name. Now, how did we get to the agency? 
All right. So that's another interesting question. So I went to business school at Ohio State. I got my MBA from Ohio State. And when I left business school, I kind of really wanted to go into some place at the intersection of brand strategy and digital marketing. And as it sort of happens at the time, my dad owned this design practice here in, in Columbus. And he was sort of looking for an exit. And I was sort of looking for my next thing. And so I came to work for him and then eventually really bought the agency out from him after when he retired about seven or eight years ago. And the agency at the time was sort of what, what I would describe as a generalist design agency. So we worked kind of mostly with companies in and around central Ohio on design work, you know, so visual brand work, typical things you would imagine that any creative agency might do. And somewhere along that journey, I, I made the decision that we were going to become an expert agency and, and really take a vertical proposition, a vertical disposition to the marketplace. And we're going to pick out a very defined niche and we're going to endeavor to be, you know, the best or one of the best in the world at servicing the very specific needs of that niche. And of course, that niche is professional services, which brings us to this to this podcast, I guess. Hmm. So what was the name of the agency before you changed it to Rattleback? So it was actually, you know, Maliki Design. So my dad started this business as Maliki Design. In fact, he loves to make the joke that the technical legal definition or legal name for the firm was Maliki Advertising Design Associates Incorporated. And if you strip out the acronyms of it, it's, it's madass. <laughs> so, you know, he loves to say it was the perfect name to describe it. But, but we operated under either Maliki Design or Maliki for many years before we made the name change. Hmm. So why did you choose professional services? You know, I would love to say that there was like some grand strategic plan. Whenever as a business, you set out to build a, a clear and coherent strategy on what you're trying to do, you want it to be some, some grandiose vision for, oh, rapid growth in the sector, or you know, we just saw untapped potential or those types of things. And I think for us, it was really a combination of about two or three things. One was I was always fascinated with services marketing as a concept. So when I was in business school, one of the classes that I just, just connected with me most was a class on services marketing. That's, it was taught by a faculty member who's now the dean of the Kansas Business School. And in that class, we talked a lot about sort of service mapping and experience design. And I just remember thinking that was a really cool class and just always wanting to kind of work around that concept. And then once I was in the agency environment, and then eventually once I was in you know agency leadership and ownership environment, and I had the chance to sort of pick a niche and, and, and carve in a direction. I think I came back to that for that initial reason of sort of intellectual curiosity that it brought me 20 years ago, roughly. And then for whatever reason, when I had come out of business school and entered into this agency, the clients I was bringing aboard fit that mold, right? Management consulting firms, commercial construction companies, architecture engineering firms, so firms that were professional services firms. So we had sort of built up a, a pretty good client roster of work in that defined niche. So you have sort of interest, intellectual curiosity, you know, paired with, I guess, portfolio would be how, you know, most agencies sort of think about what they do for a living. It's interesting how that area of expertise evolves. It is one of, you know, a gravitational pull or attraction on one side and market opportunity on the other, but they tend to converge. And all of a sudden you find out that you have some deep expertise that you can actually build on. And the better you get at it, the more you enjoy it. So it just becomes kind of a flywheel. Yeah. I mean, I think when you think about the, the positioning conundrum, which I think we've talked about in this podcast, if we haven't, we should. 
I think that the, the fascinating thing is when you make the move from generalist to specialist, I don't think you always recognize how, how blind maybe you were as a generalist. <laughs> you know, I see this in our clients a little bit. I mean, I don't want to state it overtly or, or, or to an extreme, but sometimes I think when you're a little bit more of a generalist, what you value is your ability to sort of come into a situation and because you're smart, figure things out, right? Mm-hmm. And as a result, but but because the situations you're seeing are different over and over and over again, you're not building up any pattern recognition and you don't even really know you're not building up pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so once you start building up pattern recognition, you're all of a sudden you go, huh, it feels a whole lot better to, to actually have seen this situation, you know, over and over and over again. So I don't know if that... I don't need light to what your comment was, but I think that's spot on. And it is, it's interesting that you see that because I think the people that achieve that pattern recognition, once they've achieved it, can to some degree take it for granted. And it's a tension that exists between, you know, pattern recognition and generalization because you don't want to fall into that proverbial wear a hammer looking for a nail and everything's a nail, but it what fits the pattern, what doesn't fit the pattern. And I think the best consultants are able to discern the difference between the two. But like you said, most people don't even know what they don't know. So I like the way you articulated that. Well, I think that I probably can't put my finger on this real well. The curse of knowledge, right? The notion that the the deep subject matter expert forgets what they know. Mm-hmm. I think that that's part of that pattern recognition story on some level where you suddenly you find yourself at this place of knowledge and you actually forget how much of what you learned along the way. And all of a sudden, you don't actually know if what you know actually has any value. I've experienced that on both sides. I've experienced that in hiring firms where I've hired consultants who blew me away with new knowledge that I didn't have. And they did it in a way that was almost so flippant and, and easy that I was like, I was shocked, right? I was like, oh my gosh, how, how did I never know this before? And, and to this person, this is just a side tidbit that's not even part of the work that I hired them for. And mm-hmm. then I've also sort of seen it on the other side as a specialist now where you know there'll be something that I've, some piece of information or knowledge that I've acquired or built over time. And to a client, it, it seems like this incredible nugget of advice, but to me, it just, it's just something I picked up five years ago, somewhere along the way. I have no idea what that had to do with, with what we're talking about. But <laughs> Well, it's a great segue for my next question for you. You know, you're kind of picking this stuff up through osmosis, right? It's just kind of coming throughout your experience. But when you look back over the years you've been doing this, is there a particular person or school that really influenced your thinking on professional services or marketing or branding or technology? I mean, I think that, I mean, there's so many, it's almost hard, right? It's, it's, it's hard to pick out just one thinker or one writer or one speaker or one voice. And I can think of specific faculty members at, in business school that, that helped me learn how to structure my thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were highly influential people and in, in sort of how... I do what I do or how would I try to do what I do for our agency and our clients? I mean, I think if I were to think about the one person who's had the biggest impact on my professional career, it's a guy by the name of Blair Enns, who is a sales, actually the CEO of a a sales uh, advisory company that we've 
worked with over the years. She helped sharpen our positioning in the in the beginning, and and I, his thinking on pricing has been instrumental to me, and then his thinking on just positioning in general has been pivotal. I could credit him with multiple points in time of opening my eyes to aspects of marketing I hadn't previously considered, or just even aspects of business I hadn't previously considered. So I, I can't I can't even comprehend our business being where it is without his influence along that journey, either directly or, or indirectly through his his thought leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, think but there's other you know people as well. Yeah, I think he has some some good thinking as well. Are there any others? I mean, Bob Day. I mean, you know, we, we we've been uh, I've been a sort of a business partner of Bob Day's at the Bloom Group for the last five or six years or more. We've done thought leadership research together. We've spoke together. We run a, an event together. We're on our third year doing our profiting from thought leadership event, and I can't begin to thank him in terms of his just the way he's helped me open my eyes to understanding kind of just the incredible layers of complexity and nuance to successful intellectual property development and thought leadership development. Just fabulous wealth of knowledge on that topic from his years in the field. And again, a great guy to work with, just a great business partner on that event. We've had a lot of fun doing that event for the last three years. So it's it's a really great business relationship. Yeah, Bob's a great guy. His thinking has influenced me significantly in my years as a CMO, and he is a really good guy. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. So now you're more of a seasoned veteran in this space. Do you have a chance to work with younger people and and what kind of advice are you giving them now that you're the veteran? Well, I don't know that I would ever consider myself a veteran. I always I always feel like there's so much to learn and marketing is moving so fast right now and business is moving so fast right now that if you're not sucking up knowledge as fast as you can get it, you're making a mistake. You're, you're missing the mark, you know? So I know for me, I, I never feel like I'm, I'm I'm a veteran. I just feel like I'm on a path. I'm sort of on a quest to learn and learn new things and learn new ideas and figure out how to apply them. I mean, I, I think about the younger people that we bring into our agency, and, and, and I can't say that I sit down and have these direct conversations with them all the time. But the one thing I try to impart on them is just, you know, I think that the benefit of working in a narrowly focused agency like ours or, or any other agency that's chosen to be kind of expert in niche is that notion of pattern recognition that we talked about earlier. And I think that that's so valuable for them to get the chance to work with clients that have similar problems, similar situations, and similar scenarios again and again and again. And I kind of try to encourage them. I say, you know, the best thing you can do for your career is to kind of pick out some, you know, niche within that or niche within the marketing universe that that you want to go deep on and you want to learn a lot about and you want to write about and you want to talk about and you want to speak about. I can only say like what that's done for my professional and kind of personal fulfillment is tremendous. And so sort of, I guess that, that message of just jump in. I mean, we're in a, we're in a world when it's become so incredibly easy to publish original thinking on a topic and to not participate in that when the path is so 
easily accessible, just pure folly. I mean, one of the things, whenever I get a, a young person who's, you know, looking for a job, let's say, I mean, one of the first questions I ask them is, what are you reading and what are you writing? You know, and so when they bring me a resume, if they're out of work, I'm thinking, well, why aren't you blogging? Why aren't you writing to express your thinking? Because that's going to be make you so much more attractive to an employer because they can see how you think and what you're thinking about. So again, I think, I don't know if I answered the question or if I just meander down a side journey once again. <laughs> Uh, what was the question? <laughs> uh, well, how about I'm going to ask you that question one more time. I think you answered it well. Did I? What, did I ask the question you asked? <laughs> you did. But I'm going to ask it another way. If you were to give advice to your 22-year-old self, what would it be? Move to Hawaii and never look back. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, become a surf bum? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Professionally, I, I guess I, I would say, yeah, I, I would say pick the niche earlier, any niche and start the pattern recognition process earlier. But actually that would definitely follow move to Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Hawaii is a beautiful place. So you an introvert or an extrovert? I don't know. You tell me. You know me pretty well. Oh, I would say you tend towards introvert. You're definitely a thinker in the world of ideas, thoughtful analytical, but I think you can flex. I've seen you. As a matter of fact, I met you at an association of management consulting firms meeting, and you didn't hesitate to stand up and share your opinions and express yourself, which is one of the things I think that drew us together because I was in a similar vein and we love discussing the ideas and our experiences. So I'd say you're an introvert with an extrovert flair. It's interesting, Jeff, because, uh, you know, I didn't list you among the influential people, but I can actually remember the first thing that I ever heard you say, <laughs> oh, which is really weird because I was at that AMCF event. I remember I'm sitting in this audience listening to, you know, obviously some of the world's smartest marketers in my mind. I think I think some of the smartest marketers are in that consulting industry just when you when you think about what they're marketing. It's just really thoughtful people. And you stood up and you and you made this comment and it just stuck with me forever. And I wrote about it actually at one point. You said, you know, I think most management consulting firms know why clients hire them, but very few know how. And as you know, we did a podcast about that. And I've spent, you know, I don't know, years thinking about that since you made that comment, trying to build a all-encompassing model for how clients hire firms. And so I, I guess I should just take that moment and thank you for that, that kernel of insight that uh, had drove me for at least two to three years or more of my life. <laughs> That's wonderful. I look forward to that first royalty check. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a long wait. <laughs> I don't know what prompted that, but thank you. That's nice. And I think that's still the case for most firms. Well, I think it was an incredibly thoughtful comment and just so spot on. So, yeah, I thought it was tremendous insight. So I think it's important for our listeners to know you were the impetus behind getting rattle and pedal started. Maybe you should share with them how this podcast kind of came to be. It's a not as elegant a story as you might imagine. There's a handful of podcasts that I listen to religiously that I just love. It takes me about 20 minutes to walk to work each day. And so I, I there's a couple of podcasts I listen to that are, that are basically 20 minutes. It fills the void in that walk and it gets me thinking. And one I love is Planet Money, one of my absolute favorite podcasts. I just love the, the their NPR's bend on on the economy and just how they 
It's introduced new insight and new new ideas to me all the time. Another one I love is a podcast called The Two Bobs, which is actually one that Blair Ends did. And I just love the model. I love the model of having a conversation with a friend about some shared topic and exploring ideas. And so I, I think I just, I heard that and I, and I guess they say imitation is, is the highest form of flattery. And I thought to myself, well, I'd like to do something like that. And I, I got to thinking, who do I know that I'd like to do that with? And then, and I thought of you and I thought, you know, Jeff and I have worked together on a couple of clients. I just, and every time I talked to him, I love the conversation. I thought, I wonder if other people would enjoy being a fly on the wall in that conversation as well. And so to my pleasant surprise that some people have, right? So I think that's all I ever wanted was just to kind of take the conversations that I enjoy having with you and, and turn them into something useful for other people that can gain insight from that, that dialogue that otherwise just dies away on a, on a cell phone somewhere, maybe to be logged in the Library of Congress along all of uh, <laughs> <laughs> stored away forever. Oh, uh, maybe I'll be sent into space on a Tesla. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no. And when you reached out to me and pitched the idea, you know, the the thought I had was all those conversations we've had on the phone and at the end of them, we go, man, I wish we had recorded that. <laughs> well, I, I and that's funny because I have another friend that I talked to about, well, this guy, Chris Parsons, I don't know, I mean, some of our listeners, I'm sure know Chris, mm-hmm. who's an expert in knowledge management. And one of his sayings is something along the lines of, ideally, you, you want to try to, to capture and codify as much thinking as you possibly can, because if it's if it's only shared once to one person, and nobody ever hears it again, it's lost forever, right? Mm-hmm. And so at some levels, I think that that's what I'd like this podcast to be is hopefully, you know, capture and, and, and codify all of our, you know, inspirational new thinking, right? All right. So I have one last question for you. And I think this is important in, in modern business times. I mean, and, and podcasts are in blogs and all this content that we've talked about. There's such a low barrier to entry of throwing this stuff out. And there's so much noise. And, you know, the podcasts that I really enjoy offer, you know, provocative thinking, you know, a new way of, of looking at things. But the reason I listen to a lot of the podcasts I I do is is kind of like you said about Blair is you just like him. You know, you just like the the personality. I feel like he's open and and shares stuff. So, in that vein, when you're not doing all this professional services and marketing and digital and intellectual capital development, what are you doing? How do you spend your time? <laughs> what am I doing? All right, so I'm going to let you in a little secret. So as you know, I I own and operate a largely digital marketing agency. And despite that, in my personal life, we have worked very hard to essentially be almost digital invisible, meaning that I have four kids that I absolutely adore and a wife that, that I love very deeply. There is scant evidence that my kids exist in the digital <laughs> universe. So we, in fact, for years, I never shared, I never made a birth announcements. And I, I never shared anything about them on Facebook because I kind of felt, one, one I'm not a really big Facebook user, but, but two, I just kind of felt like, you know, this is my kind of personal relationship with people that I enjoy the most. And so I remember a neighbor of, of ours, they have four kids as well. And we went trick-or-treating one year and 
and the mother took a photo of all eight kids and posted it on Facebook. And I was, and, and at the time, my, my, my kids clearly I have four of them, right? So, so the, the youngest was already four. So the oldest had to be seven or eight. And I thought that's the first, you know, public social evidence of my kids, which is all, what I always wanted because I kind of felt like there's just no need for the world to be kind of brought into that kind of personal side of, of my life. So to answer the question though, is obviously I spend as every second I can with them, right? I mean, I coach baseball teams. I run Cub Scout dens. I coach softball teams. I play tennis with the kids. We travel a lot. So it's just as many interesting experiences we can create for them just brings so much more interesting experiences to our lives. And yes, of course we do. Like like every good parent, we spend a, a fair amount of quality time and money at that wonderful, magical place in central Florida. So, <laughs> Man has to have his priorities. And those sound like pretty good priorities to me, for sure. So that's cool, Jason. Thanks for sharing a little bit of yourself with me, but more importantly, our listeners. Now they know a little bit yeah. about the guy on the other end of those wacky ideas that you throw out there. <laughs> well, the wackier, the better. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for doing it, Jeff. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.